0: So make sure you hop over to ValPerformance.com today to make sure you check out what they got. It's going to make you better and to do better by your athletes. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James The Thinker-Smith, and cure when flat. Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is gonna bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network.
1: Hey, guys, this is Lauren Lando, uh, Head Strength Edition Coach for the Denver Broncos. I'm coming out to Richmond, Virginia, July 17th and 18th uh, for the seminar Uh, I'm excited to be at the conference. I'm excited to present um, and also learn from everybody there in attendance. Now, a little bit about me. Uh, My journey has been over 20 years in the performance field and my roles have varied. My roles have been everything from an athletic director to an operations manager in high-end athletic clubs, uh, personal trainer in high-end athletic clubs, uh, cardiac and pulmonary rehab specialist, I've also been able to own and operate my own facility called Lando Performance. Uh, again, private training facility where we see athletes of all ages and abilities. Now, currently in my role, I am the head strength edition coach for the Denver Broncos. And what I'm going to be providing on July 17th and 18th is really my look, my lens into return to sport or return to play um i'm going to focus a lot on lower extremity but again i will touch on upper extremity and also trunk and spine Within what I'm going to present, it really comes from a, a a lot of failures over the years and a lot of success, a lot of failures, and and just trying to see commonalities and traits in injury patterns and ultimately in some of the uh, rehabilitation protocols that were put together. And you know, some things that work for some athletes, some things don't work for others. And trying to underline and find specific principles that may be kind of set the tone when we're looking at return to play or really kind of set your foundation and really serve as a good checks and balances along the way in your recovery with your athletes. Now, everything that I will show uh, in July will ultimately be uh, my growth of work and my evolution of work. And again, I've been fortunate enough to work alongside with orthopedic doctors, uh, great physical therapists, great athletic trainers, some of the best uh, hands-on specialists in the world. Uh, but also a lot of my mentors as well. Uh, Greg Roscoff, who is a soft tissue specialist. Um, Dan Paff, who you know has an eye and an understanding of multiple layers of, of uh, motor skill uh, mastery and, and what that looks like when there's maybe a dysfunction or maybe there's some asymmetrical issues that lead into dysfunction. Uh, ultimately, what I've done over the years is I've, I've kind of pieced together what my return to play models look like. Now, these return to play models were models that I've used um, all the while at Lando Performance and bringing athletes back from everything from Achilles injuries, uh, high ankle sprains, uh, chronic ankle sprains, ACL, MCL, LCL, PCL type injuries, uh, hip labrum, osteitis osteitis pubis, uh, a lot of different adductor um, pathologies that athletes tend to get with uh, poor mechanics or poor movement and sometimes it's just um, uh, one time trauma. Uh, But a lot of times you can undercover uh, specific patterns that lead to repetitive type scenarios. When we look at patellofemoral syndrome and and, uh, Siever syndrome and Osgood-Schlatter's and things like that and how can we work around those things and what should be some of our warning signs and what should be the mechanics that we look at with each individual athlete and what are some of the the bells and whistles that should go off for you when you're working with an athlete coming back from any of the aforementioned uh, injuries that should make you either regress your your progressions or completely halt or move forward. Uh, Again, these progressions that I will go through, it's a a six phase model that I use uh, that ultimately if we're looking at a lower extremity injury, we'll just talk about the knee right now But if we're discussing the knee, I have a a six phase uh, model that I use, somebody coming back from ACL, for example, uh, they'll start in our neuromuscular reeducation, stability, uh, learning how to bear weight again and, and hold good stance position and stack joints and have good postural control. And in time, those exercises go into something a little bit more on the coordinative aspect, where maybe now we're actually going through a locomotion pathway, but we're not going anywhere then as the athlete starts to learn those patterns and they start to go through good clean ranges of motion, then ultimately I'll take them into what is considered more my velocity-based drills. A lot of drilling that we all see uh, in speed development, but I use it early on in my rehab protocols because the way I look at it is from the tissue standpoint, we can tolerate velocity of a limb much better than we can tolerate force from the limb so early on i use my velocity protocols and then as the athlete shows me greater tolerance and capability and they show me uh, good coordinative patterns they show me uh, there's a lack of uh, there's no longer an asymmetrical issue uh, there's not a timing issue then i can take the drills up in speed and tempo i can take the uh, drills up in duration as well as the athletes show me a uh, good quality of movements here, then I can take it more into my force-based exercises, and then my force-based exercises are gonna have a lot more drive into the ground, creating a lot more torque at the ankle, knee, and the hip, and ultimately, it's a progression of tissue tolerance, and that's the most important thing. I'm looking for tissue tolerance, but I'm also looking for good symmetrical timing. If orchestration and that timing aspect isn't there, in my opinion, you have to regress, and these are all things that I'm gonna cover uh, July 17th 18th when a mountain Richmond um, ultimately where we end with this progression is really getting the athletes ready for the field I think a lot of times when we look at return to sport, uh, we get athletes maybe in a position where they're functional, but we don't get them to the optimal. And optimal is a lot of considerations. Optimal is considerations of the capability of not just uh, rate of force development, but rate of force control. How well do we decelerate? Um, what is our capacity? What is our conditioning like within those needs of deceleration? So we have to look at all those aspects when we're, we're creating our return to play protocols. And those are just some of the things that I'm going to go through one in lecture, but then two, I'll find followed up in a practical setting.